Does anyone here play chess? You play chess? You know the most dangerous piece on a chessboard is the queen. The most dangerous piece on a chessboard is the, is the queen. Because she can move up and down in every direction. You always have to watch the queen on the board because you never know where she's going to come in from. Amen? But the most threatening piece on the chessboard is the pawn. The most threatening piece on the chessboard is the pawn. Someone say, why is that the most threatening piece? Because the pawn has the capacity to become anything else but the king on the board. And if you're not watching carefully, a pawn can be a queen in a matter of moments and still mate you. Hallelujah. I've come to release a word of God today called the kingdom authority. I don't want to tap into not just who you are today, but your potential that the enemy understands you are to be in God. That if you understand your potential, that's why he's threatened by you. Not because of where you are today, but with your potential of what you can become. If you fulfill God's assignment in your life. Amen. Amen. I pray you're taking notes. I say it this way. Church is not an environment that we just come and listen. God's speaking. And if God is speaking, we might want to write down what he's saying so we can apply it to our life. When we were in school, we took notes. Amen. We had to go home. We had to study when we were in school. Amen. Because sooner or later, come on, somebody, a test showed up. And when that test showed up, you had to figure out what the answer was. But if you had the answers based on what was given to you before you had the test, you had just have to remember the answer and apply the answer to the question. I said this before. Whenever the, God of, the word of God is released, there's an assignment that goes with the word of God that allows the enemy to come after the word. Based on the word of God, it's called the parable of the sowing. The seed that's sown, it's sown into stony ground, thorny ground, wayside ground, or good ground. And the enemy comes after the word. And so because you now are hearing the word, you're automatically on assignment by the enemy to come after the word that you're hearing. And so if you're not taking notes to understand the word and then begin to apply it in your life, what happens is the enemy can actually uproot the word from your life and cause you to have a loss rather than have the authority God's called you to have. And so even right now, Father, I begin to pray even right now, Lord, I bind every stony heart. I bind every thorny heart. I bind every wayward heart, Father, that will not have the capacity to receive the engrafted word which is able to save our souls. Father, I speak life, Father, even the good ground of the hearts of your people today, Father. I speak over their lives right now, and I thank you and praise you, Father, that because of the word, there shall be some 30, 60, and 100 fold according to how they apply the word of the, of the word of God in their life, Lord. And I thank you and praise you. Father, that the enemy shall not have the word that's been released in the lives of your people. But God, your people shall have what you designed them to have based on the word of God, that they shall be able to move into the things of God, apprehend for that which they've been apprehended, Father, pressed toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray. And if someone believes in that, say amen. Amen. No, you don't believe me. I don't believe that. I said amen. Amen. Sister Rose, I like what you said, because you said maximize manhood is a mandate. And I don't know if anyone caught that, but I caught that as a man's date. 
Oh, come on. Y'all missed that. She stood up here and said, it's a mandate. She was telling you it's a man's date. You must learn how to make a date with destiny. No woman wants a man who's not maximized. Selah. Selah. Can I read something to you for a moment? Hallelujah. Nothing will be impossible for you. Matthew chapter 17, verse 20. It is possible for believers who are completely willing to trust the power of the Lord for their safekeeping and victory to lead a life of readily taking his promises exactly as they are and finding them to be true. It is possible to daily cast all your anxiety or cares upon him. First Peter chapter five, verse seven, and experience deep peace in the process. It is possible to have our thoughts and our desires of, the, of our hearts purified in the deepest sense of the word. It is possible to see God's will in every circumstance every, and to accept it with, a singing, with singing instead of complaining. It is possible to become strong through and through by completely taking refuge in the power of God and by realizing that our greatest weakness and the things that upset our determination to be patient, pure, or humble provide an opportunity to make sin powerless over us. This opportunity comes through him who loves us and who works to bring us into agreement with his will and thereby supplies a blessed sense of his presence and his power. All these divine possibilities, because they are his work, actually experiencing them will always humble us, causing us to bow at his feet and teaching us to hunger and thirst for more. We will never be satisfied with anything less. Each day, each hour, or each moment in Christ, through the power of the Holy Spirit, there is more. Someone say this, there's more. Doesn't matter where you are in God. Doesn't matter how long you've been walking with God. Doesn't, know, doesn't matter how many years you've come to church. God is an unlimited resource. There is always more. There's always more. There's more. Matter of fact, the God of yesterday is not enough for your today. I said it again. The God of yesterday is not enough for your today. Someone say, prove it. You can't breathe from a breath of yesterday. Try to hold on to the breath from yesterday and see how far you get. God has to give you enough breath today to live. So what he gave you yesterday is not enough for your today. How many are trying to live off of what God said in the past and he's moved on from? Because he wants you to move further in him. How many have gone through a trying season of trials and tribulations and you're not sure what's going on? Why does stuff keep on popping off this way and that way? How many people are talking about, you know, this is going wrong and that's going wrong and I'm just tired. I'm just ready to give up. There's something happening. 
someone doesn't want you to know your potential. They understand. They, meaning Satan and his imps, his principalities, his powers, his rulers of darkness of this world, his spiritual wickedness in high places. They understand your potential because they see you in the spirit while you look at yourself in the natural. Saints, you are, a temp- you are an eternal being operating in a temporal world on an eternal destiny. Amen. Stop allowing the temporal pleasures of this world to be as satisfying as God has never called them to be. Is this good so far? God is taking us. Amen. God bless you, brother. Good to see you. God is taking us. We want the Holy Ghost to come, don't we? You don't want to hear from me. You want to hear from God. And it doesn't matter if it's me, Apostle Nazario, Pastor Gwen, Elder Ross, Elder Isabel, Minister, Minister, uh, Minister Benilius, uh, Minister uh, uh, Lewis or Medallia, uh, Deacon Dan, whoever God's going to use when God begins to speak. God can use my grandson, five years old, to give a word of God. So I have to always keep my eyes attentive, my ears attentive to hear what God's saying. Amen. I don't come to bring you something about bless me because bless me is so, so far off base on what God's going from. That's, you know, something. Why is that so far off base? It's not that God doesn't want to bless you. It's just that that's a byproduct of his presence. It's a byproduct. It's a byproduct. You come to church and say, well, you know, son, I just came to see the fan. That's a byproduct. It's a byproduct. And we get so caught up with chasing after all of these things that, that are temporal that we miss the eternal one. Amen. That's designed to fill everything that we ever have need of. The Bible says in 6 and 33 of Matthew, says, seek ye first the kingdom of God. Yes. Amen, Pastor Gwen. Good to see you. God bless you. God bless you. The mother of the house. Amen. amen. Oh, come on. You don't give a hand clap. I just said Pastor Gwen. That's a cue. Matthew 6, 33 says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. The problem is we always jump to the B clause of that verse. And all these things shall be added. Stop forgetting about the addition. If you stop forgetting about the addition, God will do the multiplication. God bless you, sir. He wants to cause an explosion in the region of this environment. For him to be seen and glorified in such a worse, in such a way that there's a, cl- cl- a, cl- a climactic impact on this nation. And I want to, I want to share some things with you today to start talking about this. Amen. Hallelujah. If you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter four for one, please. I've learned to, to fine-tune how I say this, so I'll say it this way. I speak King James. <laughs> I, I translate in different versions, so we're all in the same place, but sometimes you might listen to the NIV or the ESV or the NLT 
or the New King James Version or the Amplified Bible or the Message Bible. I'm not contradicting any of those. I'm simply saying that because I've been reared in, in the language of King James, that when, when scriptures come into my mind, I begin to say things that are in the King James vernacular. So I say things like, you know, uh, uh, I'm more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ who strengthens me. Well, maybe that's not a good interpretation. But, but he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And I will say of the Lord, he's my refuge, my fortress, my God, in whom I trust. Amen? I think that's Psalm 91, is it not? Now, maybe in an NIV, it doesn't say he who dwelleth. But I say he who dwelleth because I learned he who dwells before the new NIV came out. Amen? Doesn't mean that you're looking at something wrong, but I speak King James. But that's why I give you scripture or the address of what I'm sharing so that you can understand what I'm saying at the same time. Amen? For the purpose of this, I know y'all can do King James, New King James, and everything else. God bless you. I'm going to actually put the New King James up there. Amen? So this way, we're, we're, you know, we, I can look up there rather than reading my own notes. Amen? In Psalm, excuse me, in Luke chapter 4, beginning at verse 16. And I'm laying, and let me, let me say this so we understand. This word is not going to be finished today. I'm laying a foundation today to build upon. Is that okay? I want to say that again. This word will not be finished today. But then again, there's no word from God that's ever finished until we go on to glory. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Luke chapter 4, beginning at verse 16, says, So he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up as was, as, as, <laughs> I got to get tripped up now. Okay. I'm going to read from where I have here. I'm, I apologize, Sister Latasha, but I'm going to read from here because I want to get tripped up there. Amen. But you can keep that up there. Amen. Beginning at verse 16, says, And he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. I'm going to go down to verse 21. Uh, I'm going to read through to verse 21, I should say. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah, or Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captive and recovering of sight to the blind and to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book and gave it unto the minister and sat down. And the eyes of all of them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began to say to them, this day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. Father, I continue to thank you and praise you for the word which brings illumination, understanding, light, Father. And right now, Lord, I bind the spirit of darkness, darkness that will cause ignorance to come, Father. I bind you and loose your people to a place of illumination and lightness, Lord. That we can come to understand everything that you want to expound on your mysteries today, Lord. I thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to take these scriptures apart for a brief moment, if I could. It says in, 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 uh, in, verse, in, in verse 18, it says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captive, and recover your sight to the blind, and to set at liberty them that are bruised. I want to look for a moment at some of those particular words within that context of that particular scripture. Is that okay this morning? 
I want to first define the word gospel. The word gospel here uh, in, that, in that particular passage really is uh, euangelo. E-U-A-G-G-E-L-I-Z-O. Euangelo. Amen. It means to bring good news and to announce good tidings. It's where we get the word evangelized from. But here's what's interesting about that word. It's a compound word in the Greek. The E-U is one word, and the A-G-G-E-L-I-Z-O is another word. The A-G-G-E-L-I-Z-O is, is the actual word angel. Or it, that's the person, that's the messenger who's delivering the word. Amen? But, but the E-U is something that's interesting because the E-U actually represents this word. It means to be well off, farewell, or prosper. And so the person of the, of the, the A-G-G-E-L-I-Z-O is delivering a word to prosper someone. Now, that's important in this context because when you look at the scriptures, he's now saying here, if we understand this, that he's sending a word of prosperity to the poor. Not to the wealthy, to the poor. And I say that because, if we can just sit down just a little bit. I say that because you have to understand that, that sometimes we, we get tripped up when someone's speaking a word of prosperity. There's a place for it in the context of God's word. So we can't throw out the baby with the bathwater. You have to then understand that God is going to deliver to you a place of, of, of a, a place where he wants you to prosper for a reason. I say it this way. There are people in this neighborhood right now who are living below their means. There are people in this neighborhood right now who are poverty stricken. And the question then becomes, what can the church do for a life that's actually living below their means? I'm not talking about playing lotto and, and, and so they can leave here and go, you know, like Elmer J. Fogg, go, go find a, a mansion and a yacht. But I am talking about being able to allow liberty to come so they can operate in the things God's called them to move in. Amen? If, the, if that were not true, then, then we would not see an actual activity of that in Scripture. So, so let's see if that's in fact true. Let's go to Luke chapter 19 if we could, because God just gave me that. Amen? I want to do a little bit, and the reason why I say I'm, I'm building foundation is because I might do more teaching today than preaching, and I might shift back and forth. But it doesn't make sense for me to preach, and you get excited, and not know it have any foundation. To get. I, I can get excited right now, because I already know what, what's in it, what this is all about. But if you don't know it, then I'm going to get excited by myself. And I need, I need us to come with. Amen? Come with. And, and like my brother Nate said, I need to be able to turn it up at the right time. But right now, I just need to turn it down because if you get excited, I can get you all emotional and you have no substance when you leave out of here. Amen? Hallelujah. So let's go to Luke chapter 19 if we could. Luke chapter 19. There's a story about uh, a tax collector called Zacchaeus. Amen. 
Zacchaeus was a tax collector. He was found in a tree. Well, he wasn't found in a tree, but God, <laughs> Jesus saw him in a tree because he was of short stature. He wasn't that tall. And because of the crowds, he knew Jesus was coming by. He got up in a tree, and he came, and he stood up in a tree. And as he's coming down, as Jesus is coming down the way, he sees Zacchaeus and says, Zacchaeus, come down and come to your house today. Amen? And so he comes to his house. He's serving him dinner, him and those that were with Jesus, the disciples and maybe some other people. You know, I don't know how the, how the setting was, but, but there's conversation going on. But before Zacchaeus actually uh, uh, brings to the house, there's certain conversations talked about in terms of Zacchaeus. Why would he go spend time with a tax collector? Because Zacchaeus was a tax collector for the Roman Empire, collecting taxes on behalf of the Roman Empire from his own people. So he was worse than someone would, you know, because he was, he was backstabbing his own people. That's really how you look at it today. He would come, he would take your taxes, take them back to them, and he'd get paid for that. And so they're like, you know, I, I don't have anything to do with the case. So in other words, there was much, much, many people who really had it in for the case. And so for Jesus to walk up on and tell the case, come on, I'm coming to your house, was something that was not well received. We know people in our life that we like, I know Jesus is not going over there. Oh, come on, somebody. I know you're in church, but I got to release you from that holy face and get to a place where the things that you're actually grappling with can be freed from. There are people in your life that you know you don't want to see them prosper because if you see them prosper, you're going to get upset about it. Why you and not me? You can't get delivered from something that you hide. So you got to be transparent before God. And you better be transparent before his prophet, his people. Yes, I'm a prophet. Anyone who preaches the word in this New Testament is called a prophet. And so God can bring a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom anytime he chooses to. And speak into your individual business to try to free you, not to embarrass you, but to deliver you. Amen. 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 And so there are people in our lives that probably we treat like Zacchaeus. But let's see what happened with Zacchaeus. Amen. Zacchaeus invited Jesus over his house. and, and, And I'm going to give you the backdrop. While there's eating going on, unlike today, there's conversation going on. They're not sitting down here, you know, looking at their, you know, iPad or looking at their cell phone while they're sitting down and eating and no one looks at anyone at the table. No, no. They had no iPads. They had no cell phones. They had no technology. And so you talk to those who you're eating with. Wow, what a revelation. (laughs) They did that? Yes, they did. And it wasn't a five-minute meal. You served it in courses. And so, and, and so, and so there, was, there, was, there was procedure. There was procedure to allow interaction. And so here Jesus is having dinner at Zacchaeus' house, and the interaction is going on, and there's conversation between Jesus and those around. And here's Zacchaeus who was, was accused of being uh, 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 one that would steal from God's people, the children of Israel, comes into, comes into view. And so I want to pick it up if I could. Um, let me see. I want to pick it up if I could. At verse 5, it says that when Jesus came to the place, he looked. I'm sorry. I want to go beyond that. Now let's go ahead and read. That's short. Verse 5 says that when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must abide at thy house. And he made haste and he came down and received him joyfully. And when they that saw it, they all murmured, saying, this, is, this he was going out to be guest with him. That man's a sinner. See what I said? And Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have taken anything away 
from any man by false accusation. I restore him fourfold. And Jesus said unto him, This day salvation has come to thy house. For so much as he also is the son of Abraham, for the son of man is come to seek to save that which is lost. What happened? Here's a man who was accused of stealing. And he took financial substance and gave it to the poor. He fulfilled an assignment because he came in contact with Jesus. While the people murmured about Jesus contacting him, touching him, interacting with him, because of the mere presence of God, conviction fell on him and he took from his own possessions and removed them half of what he had and gave it not to the rich, not to the murmurers, but to the poor. Saints of God, Calvary is designed to undergird this, 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 this region right here so that they can be strengthened. There are people who are going to be coming here lost, confused, abused, abandoned. They'll be bound in religion. But you're able to bring them to a place of understanding when God begins to release some things. Hallelujah. Amen. I'm trying to stay on course. I'm trying my best. Let me move along if I could. I'm going to ask this. I I want you to do this for me, please. I need you to study. Because I cannot get into this entire message in a half an hour, 44 minutes, an hour, and give you so much foundation by taking it apart scripture by scripture. You have to be a disciplined student of the word to begin to look at the word and study out for yourself. So that when I come back or when someone else stands up there and they continue with this word, you're able to build on the foundation that's been laid already. The cement will be set. And you'll be able to build on that cement. Amen? Does that make sense? So, so, so I'm going to give you some things, and I need for you to, to trust me with what I'm saying, rather than going back and forth into Scripture. Amen? Now, I don't want you to trust me at face value. I want you to trust me for a moment, but study it out and prove me. I say, I don't want you to trust me forever. I need you to go back and study it to prove what I'm saying is right. Amen? God bless you, Dickens, Lord. It's good to see you, woman of God. Hallelujah. And so that was the first portion. The next portion, he says that, that he's, he's going to heal a broken heart. Let's define broken heart. Broken heart is those that have been t- t- torn down. In the Greek, it's sutrebo. Sutrebo. And they've been torn down. It says, it, broken down this way, it says, to tear one's body and shatter one's strength. There are people in God that God has called to be strong, but they've been torn down in their strength. Their body's been broken down, and Jesus Christ came to to heal that. Amen? Amen. The next one I want to talk about briefly briefly is deliverance. He He preached deliverance to the captive. Now, that word deliverance really means release from bondage and imprisonment. It's called the feces, A-P-H-E-S-E-S, release from bondage and imprisonment. 
Do you realize that when you operate in God, you're not called to be bound. But there are people in God that are still bound because they have not been equipped with the knowledge of God. God says in his Hosea, he said, my people perish for lack of knowledge. What he's saying to them is that you can be saved and still perishing because you don't apply the knowledge of God so that you can be free from the things God never called you to be bound by. This is why when you stand up before God, when a person stands up before you, they need to be speaking God. Because what happens in that process is that God begins to break some things off your life that God never called for you to have. Amen? Amen. Let me go a little bit further. Amen? The word blind. It says, uh, a recovery of sight to the blind. Now, Now, that word blind is interesting. Because that's a physical blindness. But it's a spiritual blindness. Ah, and I'm going to get ahead of myself, but I'm going, to go, I'm going to do that anyway. Turn over to Ephesians chapter 4, please. I mean, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. I'm doing something a little bit different today because I'm giving you some, some, some understanding before we go into the foundation of how we got here. Amen? Amen. Ephesians chapter 6, it says... Finally, brother, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Continue. For uh, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Continue. Please. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, against rules of darkness of this world, and against spiritual wickedness in high places. Now hold right there. Hold right there, please. He says, put on, the arm, arm, put on the whole armor of God. Amen? Amen? Be able to stand in the evil day. Well, today's the evil day, saints of God. Just in case you don't know it, you're living in the evil days. Stuff happening in Ukraine, that's evil. Amen. Amen. It's evil. Yes. Wars, rumors of wars. Right. Pestilence, yes. earthquakes. Yes. It's all evil. Amen. This is the evil day. But here's what's interesting. God chose you to be alive during this day. That's not by accident. He chose you to be alive. He handpicked each one of you to be alive today because he wants you to be able to have authority in this realm in which he's called you to be alive in. You cannot have authority in this earth realm if you're not alive. If you're dead, your authority has ceased. That's why Elijah, when he was taken up by the Lord, his mantle fell because he was no longer in need of the mantle. Elisha picked up the mantle because the mantle is still necessary for the word of God to do what he wants to do in the earth. But Elijah could not do it. Elisha had to do it at that point. So whoever's here and alive today, raise your hands if you're alive. I see some hands raised. You're not sure if you're alive? Or maybe Rick and Morris has said, you actually are dead. (laughs) Raise your hands if you're alive. Say this with me. I am alive. For an assignment in God, I am alive for the purpose of God. I am alive to wrestle. Now hold right there. Go back to verse 12, please. Whether you like it or not, whether you signed up for it or not, whether you thought it or not, whether you want to or not, you are wrestling. Hallelujah. You're wrestling. The question is who you're wrestling with. 
you think you're wrestling with your friend who doesn't want to come to church. You think you're wrestling with your loved one who can't stand and hear you talk about Jesus. You think you're wrestling with your friend, your son, your daughter, your spouse. You're not. You're wrestling, but not with the flesh and blood. Whether you know it or not, you're wrestling in the spirit. You are spirit beings. You possess a soul and you live in this body called an earth suit. God gave you a suit so you can stay here with your soul and your spirit. Without your suit, you got to leave. And depending upon your decision, while you're in your suit, you'll either go to hell or you'll go to heaven. It's just the truth. I'm not trying to preach damnation and hellfire. I don't need to. It's coming for those who don't make the decision. I don't need to preach that. I can't preach the good news. The good news is it's not for you. The good news is it's not your inheritance. The good news is it's not your destination. But I'm here to tell you right now that you are wrestling today. By virtue of being here alive and being on this side of glory, you are wrestling. Now, the question is who you're wrestling with. I'm here to tell you, you're wrestling against not flesh and blood. Who's you, who are you wrestling with? You're wrestling with principalities. You're wrestling with principalities. Well, someone would say, well, what's a principality? Remember when Daniel prayed back in Daniel and, and, and he's, he went on his 21-day fast? He was like, man, I just want to get off this fast. My God, when is this going to be over? I need a word. I need an answer. And all of a sudden, Gabriel shows up. 21 days later, he said, Daniel, you can stop fasting. I got your answer. I would have come sooner, but the prince of Persia held me up. Well, who's the prince of Persia? The prince of Persia was the principality over the region in the earth realm that stopped the angelic host from coming to bring an answer from God. I said the prince of Persia was a principality over the region of Persia that stopped an answer from God to come from heaven down into the earth. And so Michael, the archangel, had to come down with his sword and start doing some work and say, let my brother Gabriel go. He's on assignment and you're going to do war with me. So if you're taking notes, let me let me show you something. There is a ranking in the angelic hosts. But there's also a ranking in the demonic hosts. You see the ranking here. The most powerful starts at the top. So the principality is the most high ranking order. Then you get down to who? The powers. And from there, the rulers of darkness. Why did I pray the rules of darkness would not be, I bound them in this place? Why? Because rules of darkness do this. They bring ignorance. Why do we go here? Because you're talking about uh, bringing, bringing sight to the blind. And I said this both a physical and a spiritual. The ones that are spiritually blind are the ones that have been darkened by a ruler of darkness that chooses not to want you to see what God's designed for you to see. But you can't see it because there's a ruler of darkness in your life that's stopping you from hearing or seeing what God's trying to show you. That's why you fall asleep when you start to read the word. Oh, come on. Come on, somebody. You start reading the bird at home and you're like, whoa. But you can stay up all day long, play video games, watch that program or do whatever you want to do. Play, you know, see, look at YouTube, whatever you want to do. Anything is not pertaining to God. But when you begin to study the things of God, 
It could be 12 o'clock noon. You just go outside. You're not even going to go to lunch. You're just going to sit down and read the Word in the park. Raw daylight. I said, what is going on? I'll tell you what's going on. There's a rule of darkness saying I can't let you get that. If you start to understand what I'm telling you, you're going to be more than I can deal with. You might become, you might stop from being a pawn and become a rook. I can't afford you to be a knight. My God, if you get to become a queen, I can't handle that. Because now you can move all around the board. You not only can go this way and that way, but if you can be, are you getting this so far? So the, so the enemy of your soul, Satan, has his ranking offices in the kingdom of darkness that's trying to get you to a place where you're bound, even though you're saved. Is this good so far? Is this making sense so far? Can we go a little bit further? Hallelujah. Later on, I don't think it's going to happen today, but later on, I want to take apart each one of those ranking orders. But you study before I get back. I said you study before I get back. Because there's an assignment on your life right now. There's a wanted poster in hell with your face on it saying they got some information. I need to take them out. And so the enemy's going to try to take you out before you get out. What do you mean? He wants to take you out before you get totally free. The reason why I read Streams in the Desert is because I want you to understand there is an unlimited resource when you operate in God. You can never out ask God. You can never go to God too often. You can never let God embody you all the more. The Bible says, great is he who's in me than he who's in the world. And when I begin to allow God to be exposed on the inside of me and come on the outside of me and let that be seen, what happens is everything that starts breaking loose must get in order. Do you recognize this passage, uh, the man of the gathering? Remember when the man of the gatherings was sitting down there being tormented and cut in chains and Jesus got off the boat, got on the shore and shows up and all of a sudden the man of the gatherings comes out of the tomb and says, what do you have to do with me? Is my time yet come? And she said, who are you? He said, my name is Legion because we are many. Legion was a punk. You know why I call him a punk? Because no one took the lead. We, we, we are many. Don't, don't, we ain't, we, we coming in. No, don't, don't back up, don't back up, man. Told you before, don't back up with you, show. We're many. We speak together. We, that's a punk. When a leader show up, because once you take the head off, the body's dead. That happens in, who is the head of the church? If you take the head off, that's why some people have removed Jesus Christ from their church. And God has written Ichabod. Because there is no spirit of God inside that place. You remove the head, God calls you Ichabod. You cannot take the head off and still say God. Amen? 
How long is a chicken rolling around once you take the head off? It runs around, but for a short period of time, right? I know some of my friends, they've seen it. I've never seen it, but I heard about it. But it's dying. Amen? So what am I saying here? He gets off the water, he gets off the boat, steps on the shore, and he shows up, and, and they say, we are, we are legion because we are many. And he takes authority immediately. Because they recognize his authority. But more importantly, he recognized his authority. You missed it. You missed it. You missed it. I said, they recognize his authority, but more importantly, Jesus knew his authority. The problem is, we don't deal with the things we should deal with the way we should deal with it because we don't know who we are in God yet. But if we get to an understanding, a revelation of who we are in God, then we begin to see some things that know, that's not happening in my house. The devil is a liar. My wife wanted to be here today, and, and, and I said she's battling. But I already know the victory is there. I, I know why. You know, Apostle Zara knows I got a, I got a powerful service coming up next week, and, and, and the enemy doesn't want us to do the service. Could I share a little bit? God connected us with someone from Australia. Families flying in from Australia to deliver word of God, to spoken word of God ministries. They're flying from the summer region to a winter season. Because Australia is, is, a, is on, on, the, on the southern hemisphere, and so right now, while it's winter here, it's summer there. Yes. I, 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 Pastor Nazari Apostle, I, I got this revelation. I said, I said they, they, they are 14, 15 hours ahead of us. Now 14, because we, we, we sprung ahead. So now 14 hours ahead of us. But God blew my mind. Because he said, I gave a word for you. I'm going to bring it from the future. Fly back in time to release the word that you need to do over the region. Oh, you missed it. You missed it. You missed it. You missed it. You you see, the book of Revelation tells us about the future so we know we win. But if we get the revelation that we won, when we go back into our present day situation, we already know we won, so we act a different way. We act in a place of authority. If God can bring a word from the future to me now in the present time because it's 15, 14 hours difference, then I'm going to get the revelation to deal with some things that is about to happen, but they don't know it's going to happen more than I know it's going to happen. Is this making sense to anybody? Are you getting anything out of this? I'm trying to get some things to you for foundationally. Let me, let me just say, say two more, a few more things if I could. Amen? Hallelujah. Give me about, can you give me about 10 minutes? Yes. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Go to Genesis chapter 1, please. Hallelujah. And as you go there, I want to say this with, uh, in, in Psalm, excuse me, in, in, in Luke 4, 19, it says this. It says, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. To, pre- to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. He said to set at liberty them, to set at liberty them that are bruised. That set at liberty, that, that word set is, is apostolo. It, it's, it's an apostolic assignment because whenever you set something, it's an apostolic authority. And when I was looking at this apostle, I was recognizing that, that two of the fivefold ministries are connected in this. One is the, one is the evangelist and the second is the apostle. Now, it's probably more because I haven't taken a part that deeply yet. But I'm sure I'm going to find a prophetic in there. 
because he read from the book of, Pro, of Isaiah, who released the word because that was actually spoken from Isaiah chapter 61, verse 1. So he actually prophetically was spoken about it ahead of time. So there's a prophet portion of that. Amen. Amen. Next, you have all, all you have is the pastors and the teachers. Amen. Well, the pastors and the teachers are all, all in here as well. Hallelujah. 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 I said, hallelujah. Jesus Christ came to do three things. He came to save, to equip, and to enable. Writing notes, write that down. Jesus Christ came to, to save, to equip, and to enable. I'm sorry, wrong order. Jesus Christ came to save, to enable, and to equip. He enables by teaching and he equips by releasing the Holy Spirit. He doesn't want to give you some power until you understand what the power is for. And so he saves you. Then he enables you, and then he equips you for the assignment. Amen? Now, I, I, I just want to say, I just want, I just want to share out of Genesis chapter 1, if I could, briefly. Amen? Genesis chapter 1 for a quick moment. I want you to see this. Some of the men may remember this. It's okay if you do. Nothing like a refresher course from God. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. In the beginning, verse 1 of chapter 1 of Genesis says, In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Amen. It says, and the earth was out form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. Now, now the first the first three scriptures, the first three scriptures, the first three scriptures, the first three scriptures in the Bible. The first three scriptures show the Trinity, the Trinity. God, the father, the Holy Spirit and God, the son. Working in unity. Amen? I, I say that for you to understand that, that, that where there is unity, there's authority and order. I love unity. I love unity because unity, no matter how you slice it up, it all comes back to one point. Unity simply means oneness. You can have two billion people, but where there's unity, there's only oneness. You can have 20 people, but where there's unity, there's only oneness. You can have three people, but where there's unity, there's only oneness. You can have Calvary Christian Fellowship, but where there is unity, saints of God, please get this, there is oneness. And the Bible declares that God commands a blessing where there is unity. He commands a blessing. He commands a blessing. He commands a, I said he commands a blessing where there's unity. That's why someone's ready to find some dissent. You deal with that. With the order of the house, with the, with, with the established leadership of the house. Do not let someone disrupt your unity because they'll mess up your blessing. You're about to go into a season where God's about to do some things. And I'm trying to get you to understand that, that this is not something I came to give. I, I'm trying to get to the main message, but God keeps on bringing it. There's something that God wants to get in your spirit that he wants you to understand that you're in a place of authority right now. You're already there, but you don't know you're there. And so you're, you, you won't be able to operate in a degree, in a level of authority that God's called you to operate in if you don't see yourself as God sees you. Mary didn't know that she was highly favored until Gabriel showed up and said, God said you're highly favored. All the while you're thinking, am I highly favored? Am I doing this? Am I doing this right? And all the while, stuff ain't working. You know, but God said, no, you're highly favored. 
You think that you're going through something, you're not highly favored. By, by, the, by, the, by the purpose of you going through something, God's picked you out because you are highly favored. God picked you out to go through something because he can trust you to endure. Oh, you're missing it. You're going through some things and you don't understand why. I'm here to tell you, say to God, you're going through it because God said, I can trust you. I can trust you to tithe when things get tight. I can trust you to sow your time when things don't look right. I can trust you to press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling. I can trust you to study my word. I can trust you to turn off the television. I can trust you to turn off the news. I can trust you to shut down everything that is a distraction in your life and open up my word. I can trust you. I'm pulling you closer to me. He's doing it for a reason. God never does anything by accident. God is a proactive God. He's not a reactive God, which means he does things from the beginning, but he declares the end. That's why the word says he declares the end from the beginning, meaning that your ending's already set up, but what God does is he brings you to your end. Let me say it this way. How many have prayed, prayed for some things for God to do in their life? Come on, raise your hand. If you really earnestly prayed, you got before God, you don't like where you are, but you prayed. Let me, let me see the hands of people who have prayed. Okay, put down your hands. Whatever you prayed for, God needs to process you to your prayer so that you don't lose the promiser that released the promise. Some people get to a place of their blessing and forget the blesser. But God is not handling that any longer. That's why he's doing things differently. So he will process you to your prayer so that you get your prayer answered at the time that he's releasing it. But you also have the promiser who released the prayer. And if you think it's a long time, consider Abraham. We are the seed of Abraham that God promised and he's dead. At least you're alive and God's still working on your promise. Come on. Sarah had to wait 14, what, what, what was it, 14 years after Ishmael. She got tired of waiting. She said, well, you know, no, get my hand made it over here. Everyone said, okay. And sometimes we try to move God by doing something in the natural to help God along the way. Ishmael was, was, was a man-made answer to a God promise. Ishmael was a man-made answer to a God promise. Ishmael was a man-made answer to a God promise. You can't back up God's promise, no matter how hard you try. If he promises it to you, that's God who can only back it up. We can't help God alone. Ishmael was a man-made promise. A man made an answer to a God promise. And now Ishmael is going against Israel. Oh, you didn't know that. That's, that, that's where the generation went to. Trace back the lineage. You'll find that Ishmael is actually the, 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 the tribes that are around Israel that try to constantly uproot Israel. If, if Sarah and Abraham would have stayed on the promise of God, you would not have had a generation dealing with Israel the way they do today. But God allowed it because that all worked out in his planning. Because it goes back to one point. He's proactive. He waited till they 
couldn't wait any longer. And then he let them do what they did so he can then bring things because he recognized that Israel needed to be processed just like anyone else. And so I'm saying this. Look at Genesis chapter 1. We read the verse 3 scriptures. I want you to see something here very briefly. We're going to close with this. We're going to close with this. There's so much more. We're going to close with this. The, the first three scriptures, you see God dealing with some things. Amen? And you see the Trinity in operation. The next, the next, uh, the remaining scriptures of chapter 1 of Genesis, you'll see things like God said, God said, God said, and it was. God said, God said, God said, and it was. God said, God said, God said, and it was. And then he would say, and it was good. And it was good. And it was good. I, I like that because God even boasts about the word. He's like, yeah, that was that's, that's good. Yo, Jesus, check that out, man. Yo, Nate, that's how God rolls, man. He's like, yo, check that out. You know, you know what I'm saying? He's like, yeah, Jesus, check it out. Yeah. Yeah. They always turn it up there. Come on. He, he, he wakes. He comes up off the door and he's like, holy, holy. He's like, yeah. Yeah, get it. Get it. I'm serious. God be like, yeah, 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 uh, uh, holy, holy, holy. Okay, okay I'm, I'm sorry. Let me. You're going to be turning it up at the battle cry. Why do you think it's called battle cry? You can't have peace without battle. And so why did God say what he said for the first four, from, 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 from verse four all the way to the end? The answer is simple. Whenever God goes to war, he doesn't come up off his throne. He doesn't send his angelic hosts. Whenever God goes to war, he simply speaks. He simply speaks. He just speaks. Jesus was in the back of the boat sleeping, raging storm, a tempest coming. And he said, don't you care if we perish? He said, don't you care if I get some sleep? Peace. Be still. Anything else? Amen. I, I'm, I'm showing you different ways of Jesus because, because sometimes we think that God is overwhelmed by our circumstances. He is not. He put us in our circumstances to know a side of him. Adversity is designed to experience, to, 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 to experience a side of God that you've yet to experience in him. Adversity drives us to God and asks him to help. And that's when he can show up. Here's the reason why I don't mind my wife being, being under the weather or, or battling. Because she'll know God, Jehovah Rapha, through the experience. When I come back home, I expect Jehovah Rapha to be there ministering to my wife. Amen? Now, now, I'm saying this because I want you to understand something. I want to prove this for a moment. So, 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 so I said that when God speaks, it's war. So I want to say prove it. First, you'll notice that in verse 1 it says that there was a void. Excuse me, in verse 2 there was a void and there was darkness. God doesn't associate with darkness. Amen? And so when he saw the darkness, when he saw the void that he had, that he had created, he spoke to the situation. The first thing he did was he allowed his spirit to go. Second, he allowed his, the light, which is Christ himself, be released. But then he began to set things in order. Now, now turn to Genesis chapter 2, verse 1, please. And this is where we're closing. 
In Genesis chapter 2, verse 1, it says, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the hosts of them. That word host, in Genesis chapter 2, verse 1, is the word saba, T-S-A-B-A, Hebrew for saba, T-S-A-B-A. That word host is a military term. It actually means the army or the warfare of them were finished. When there is disorder and God begins to speak, order must show up. When he speaks, order must come and align itself. Just like the legion showed up and they responded to what Jesus said. He said, get in that swine. They responded. Because when God shows up, order must come. God created every demonic host in this world. So every demonic host must submit to God just like any other being that's ever been created. Every time God shows up and he speaks a word, whatever he says shall come to pass. Whether you want it to or not. Whether you believe it or not. Now, it may not act in your behalf because of your disbelief, but it doesn't mean it won't happen. I said that was the last scripture, but now I've got to turn to Hebrews chapter 4, verse 2, to prove what I just said. God will say a word, and it will happen. It will happen. Regardless of your belief. Whether you believe it or not, God's going to move. We're going to close with the scripture. Someone say Hebrews 4. Two. Hebrews 4.2 For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them nor not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. Some people got the benefit because they believed what God said. And other people did it because they didn't mix it with faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. God says something, you got to hope for it until you see the evidence. Stop hoping and you won't see the promise of it. But you continue hoping until you see the evidence. Go back every so often. Go back. Is it there? Go back. Is it there? I, I, I recall Elijah when he was praying, when God said he's going to send rain, and he t- sent his servant and said, is there rain yet? He's back here praying. Is there rain yet? He said, no, not yet. He said, go back. He said, go back. Is there rain yet? No. Go back. Go back until you see the rain. God said it's going to be rain. Don't come back here again until you tell me you heard and you, you see what I've heard. I declare in this house, there will be people who bring back the report of the Lord that has been spoken over this house in the name of Jesus. How long have you had awakening your destiny, Apostle, on that poster, on that banner? It's been about, it's been about seven years. I recall because we talked about that. About seven years, that banner was hanging on East Tremont. You're living the promise of what was spoken. Seven years ago. And some of you show up here and you're like, when's it going to happen? There have been people standing on this promise for seven years. People who stand on this promise since, since, since the fire. Apostle, I, I just want to share this with you. God just gave this to me. You can't get, you can't get beauty without ashes. Because the ashes came, the beauty's coming. The fire 
on 116th Street. Others may have folded. Others may have thrown the towel in. You had to shift from one situation to another, from a different location to another. But God said, because the ashes have come, my word is true. You will not get beauty without ashes. Because the ashes came, the beauty is assured. Thank <laughs> you.